0: Now, around this time of year, you may hear a lot of talk about the spirit of Christmas. What do you think it means, the spirit of Christmas? Now, retailers know exactly what the spirit of Christmas means, don't they? Spending. Spending that amps up on Black Friday. A few years ago, none of us have heard of Black Friday, but now it's a frenzy that moves to Cyber Monday. And then the spending peaks at Christmas Eve and is followed by a Kiwi favourite, Boxing Day Sales. If you ask retailers, they will tell you what the spirit of Christmas is all about. Now those with a literary bent may remind us of Charles Dickens and his famous work, The Christmas Carol. And this depicts the spirit of Christmas as a ghost that seeks to reform Scrooge. Charles Dickens, he got us on the right track got us away from spending and accumulating an excess towards treating others right at Christmas, didn't they? Move in the right direction. And of course, Hollywood picks up on this pursuit of the true spirit of Christmas. Now, take the movie Home Alone. It's one of the most, if not the most watched Christmas movie ever. Now, if you're familiar with the story, it's about a young lad called Kevin McAllister. And he's fed up with his family, especially his older brother. And all he's focused on at Christmas is the gifts and the presents. However, he's accidentally left home alone as his family take a holiday to Paris and he's left back in their family home. And as he is facing what turns out to be a rather dangerous Christmas, he starts to realise what the true spirit is. I'll show you this little video clip where he's in the process of working out what the true spirit of Christmas is. Excuse me. Yeah. Hey, nice shoes. Oh, thanks. Is he still here? It's really important that I see him. Let's well, get in his car. I guess if you hurry, you can catch him. Damn! How low can you get giving Chris Kringle a parking ticket on Christmas Eve? What's next, rabies shots for the Easter Bunny? Sam, hold on. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, if you make it quick. Santa's got a little get-together he's late for. Okay. I know you're not the real Santa Claus. What makes you say that? Just out of curiosity. I'm old enough to know how it works. All right. But I also know that you work for him. I'd like you to give him a message. Shoot. I'm Kevin McAllister, 671 Lincoln Boulevard. Do you need the phone number? That's right. Okay, this is extremely important. Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. no Tories, nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Lenny and Jeff. And my aunt and my cousins. And if he has time, my Uncle Frank. Okay? Okay. See what I can do. Thanks. If you haven't seen the movie, it is really quite a family treat to see that movie. See, Hollywood often explores what the true meaning of Christmas is, and they come up with the focus on the family. That generally is where Hollywood ends up with the spirit of Christmas. And this is not a bad answer, is it? In fact, it's a good answer. But is family the spirit of Christmas? Is that the best answer? For what if you are distant from your family? What if your family is fractured? What if you end up spending Christmas alone? What's the spirit of Christmas then? Or what if your family is so dysfunctional, even abusive, that spending extra time at Christmas fills you with dread? You see, many are quick to explain the spirit of Christmas. is all about the joy and happiness the season brings. It's all about families united, meals shared, gifts exchanged, and long summer holidays. But to be honest, any holiday can produce that sort of joy if you work hard at it. And all the while, a number of folks struggle over Christmas. Those who worry about putting food on the table at any day worry about what they're going to do on Christmas Day. And what about those folk facing Christmas without a loved one for the first time or maybe a recent and serious health diagnosis? What's the Christmas spirit for them? Well, the secular version about the joy of the season just doesn't Cut it. However, there is good news, wonderful news, glorious news. The Bible does show us what the true spirit of Christmas is. And this true spirit is available to those who struggle at Christmas just as much as to those who do well at Christmas anyway. Available to those that struggle that can help them through. The Christmas and the new period. So this morning, uh, we're going to explore the true nature, the true spirit of Christmas. And we're going to do that by asking key nativity characters what they think the true spirit of Christmas is. And then we're going to dig into a passage in Hebrews. So, who are we going to ask? Who are we going to ask about the true spirit of Christmas? Well, let's start asking uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. What would they say the true spirit of Christmas is about? Well, let's refresh our memory about the story. Zechariah and Elizabeth are an elderly couple without any children. And Zechariah is a priest, and so he's rostered on to serve in the temple one day. And an angel appears to him, and him alone, declaring that his elderly wife will have a child. And not only will she have a child, a son, but he will be the last and the greatest of all prophets. And he will point the way to the Messiah. He won't be the Messiah, but he will prepare the way for the coming of the Christ. And what was the response? Well, when the baby was born... Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, named him John and then responded in Luke 1, verse 68 Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them, rescued them from slavery. So, Zechariah's response to Christmas is to worship. What about Mary? What would she say the spirit of Christmas is about? Well, when she was newly pregnant, she went to visit her relative Elizabeth. And at their greeting, filled by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth blessed Mary and blessed the baby that Mary was carrying, to which Mary replied, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of my humble state, the humble state of the servant. Mary's response was to worship. What about the angels? Well, it's a bit hard to get a word in edgeways with the angels because they're too busy singing. They're too busy singing words like this. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom his favour rests. So I suppose if we could stop the angels singing for a little time, they would say the spirit of Christmas is all about worship. What about the shepherds what would they say the spirit of christmas is about? Well after the angels left and the angels had tell them wonderful things about this baby the shepherds hurried to the place where the baby jesus was and there they told all who would listen all who would listen what the angels had declared to them and then afterwards in luke chapter 2 verse 20 the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things they had heard and seen, So the shepherd's response was to worship. What about the magi? What about the, the wise men? Let's ask them, what would they say the spirit of Christmas is all about? Well, after travelling from afar, they stopped off at Jerusalem to ask for directions. And oh, the joy that struck these men's heart when they saw the star above Bethlehem. And in Matthew 2.11, you read this. On coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped. So the wise man's response was to worship. What about the temple a short term later? When Mary and Joseph went there for Mary's purification and to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, what would the elderly Simeon say was the spirit of Christmas? What about the widow, the long widowed Anna? What would she say? Was the spirit of Christmas. Well, when you read that in Luke 2, you see that both of them gave thanks and worshipped. It's clear, isn't it? The spirit of Christmas, the true spirit of Christmas, is the joy we experience when we worship Christ. I'll say that again because the world pushes all this to the side and tells us that the joy of Christmas is all about presents and tinsel and songs and family. And these are not necessarily bad things, but they're not the core things. The Bible is very clear that the true spirit of Christmas is the joy we experience when we worship Christ, the King of glory, who came at that first Christmas as a baby. And so now that we've surveyed, we've asked the key nativity characters what they think the true spirit of Christmas is, let's dig into Hebrews And particular, verse 9 of chapter 2, to help us understand more and enrich our worship of the Christ child. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The first thing that draws our attention in this verse is that Jesus was made lower than the angels. When Christ came on that first Christmas, he left his exalted place and he came lower than the angels. Before he came on that first Christmas, he was with the Trinity, the Father, Holy Spirit, together, three in one, perfectly united, without need, without want, in fellowship, in love. And he lowered himself below the angels and created things on that first Christmas. And it's because he took a human form that he is lower. Fully human and fully God, but he came in the form as a man, and Jesus humbled himself. And why would he do this? Well, the reason is both shocking and compelling. Because in verse 9, it tells us that Christ, the creator of the universe, Part of the Trinity came to suffer and die. Not because he had to or because he was forced to, but by the grace of God. See, grace is the motivation, the compassion of God, the undeserved kindness that saw Christ endure suffering and taste death on our behalf. Christ, the King of Glory, came on that first Christmas not to rule as king, but to suffer in our stead, not to be served, but to serve; not to demand his rights, but to woo our hearts. He came that he might take our death upon himself. Now, Philippians is a sort of, chapter two has a parallel passage to this. It sort of expands on this and it makes it clear how Jesus did become lower than angels and taste death for us. Philippians 2, chapter 6, verse 8. See if you can pick up those themes of being lower than angel, angels and suffering, tasting death for us. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, there he is, lower than the angels. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself becoming By becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. It was on the cross that Jesus tasted death. For as a baby, Jesus then grew to a man and not only showed us the Father, but the way to the Father, and this way was through his death. But of course, that was not the end of the story, because it is through his death and resurrection, that he tastes death on our behalf. Indeed, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Being made lower than the angels, Jesus not only tasted death, but he defeated death on our behalf. And so how do we respond to this costly love? How does creation reply to this profound drama, how did God Himself respond to God's costly obedience, to Christ's costly obedience? Well, we pick up that parallel passage in Philippians chapter 2 uh, from verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name higher than every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. After being made lower than the angels at his death and his resurrection, he was exalted far above angels in all creation. And so our hearts and the hearts of all creation soar in worship and praise to him who gave us all, tasting death on our behalf so we need not have eternal death, that we need not be separated from the love and the life of God. He is to be exalted, worshipped, and adored. And of course, Hebrews, um, getting back to our core passage, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, picks this glorification up, saying, Jesus, now crowned with glory and honour. Crowned with glory and honour. The Bible says that... um, Uh, When we get to go to heaven, we will be given a crown. And then with all the heavenly creatures, we will cast our crowns down before him who gave up his all for us. And this is the one we worship. And this is why we worship. For Christ came into a sin-broken world to live amongst sin-broken people and to taste death on our behalf. And comes this salvation comes the adoption into the family of God. And with this salvation, not only adoption, but a glorious and inexpressible joy. Remember I preached on that 1 Peter, um, verse 1, chapter 8, a few weeks ago. Though you do not know him, you love him. And though you do not know him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Because We love him, we believe in him, and that joy follows. And so we've reached the core, the centre, the true meaning of the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is above all the worship of the Son of God, who for a time was lower than angels. Why? So that he would experience death on our behalf and that we would be adopted into the family of the living God. This, then, is the reason for the season. This is why we celebrate the spirit of Christmas. Now, there are some implications, some take-homes for us, and I've got two today, two take-homes. The first is for those folk whose Christmas preparations are going well. Family, finances, and food are in hand, and there is every expectation that as you and family and friends gather you will have a wonderful time. Excellent, wonderful. My encouragement to you, the word of God to you today, is do not lose sight of the true spirit of Christmas. As things go well, it's easy to get tied up into the hype of the secular world. Now, the secular world works hard to push the worship of Christ to the side. I mean, you just never see it, do you, the worship of Jesus? Uh, when we were in Auckland, um, the the son of the owner of the Ballantyne's fashion shops, don't know if you know that that's owned by a Christian family, and for a number of years at Christmas, I'll be looking this week, they would run a short ad on TV that did not mention their shop at all, but just mentioned Jesus. Have you? Did you ever pick that up? I don't know if you did. Amazing, and they gave as a Christian um, business, secular business. They gave, you know, to a lot of you know Scripture Union and all these places. But they used to put an ad, and it used to be the only place on TV that you would see the worship of Jesus highlighted—only ten or fifteen seconds. But I—I I was such an encouragement to have that family worshiping with us. But that's the exception. Because the secular world pushes the worship of Christ to the side and then over the edge. And if things are going well this Christmas, then it's easy to to forget to worship the Christ child. So my encouragement for you is enjoy Christmas. Enjoy family and the friends and the food, but keep Christ at the centre and don't let the secular world dominate your Christmas. So that's the first take home. A second take home is for those who may be facing a difficult Christmas this time. There may be sadness or loss in your home this Christmas, a frown or a worry, uncertainty or even fear about what Christmas and the new year will bring. And so my encouragement to you is to lean into the true spirit of Christmas, to follow the example of Elizabeth and Zachariah, of Mary, of the shepherds, of the wise men, even the angels, and with your heart and your mind, choose to worship the Christ child. Even if your circumstances are not the best, even if some of your circumstances are grim and you can't see the way forward, then God's word for you today is to look to those core nativity characters, choose to worship Christ, choose to lean in, To the spirit of Christmas. For when you do, the joy of the season, the true joy of the season, a joy that is deep and rich and life giving and centered at Christ, can be yours. For God exalted him to the highest place and gave Christ the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, at Christmas and 365 days of the year, every knee will bow to him in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will acknowledge that Christ Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us be caught up with this joy and this wonder and have the meaning of Christmas reflect in our hearts and our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the joy of the season, and there's lots of fun family and festive things to, to enjoy but help us also to keep Christ at the centre. Help us not to push him to the edges in our family gatherings, in our church life, wherever, but help us to worship the Christ child, as did Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men. Help us to have their attitude of worship this Christmas, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen.